Hey everyone, this is a bonus episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. This is an audio version of Prepper Website Live. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, have you ever thought about how you're going to face the other side of the end of the world as we know it? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of Prepper Website and the host of the Prepper Website Podcast. And welcome to another Prepper Website Live. I'm glad that you're joining us. Hey, the, the article for this Prepper Website Live is actually coming to us from, uh, it's an archive, it's coming to us from the Prepper Journal. Um, I, I'm actually going to go there in my browser so you can uh, watch this with me as I'm, um, as I'm saying this. Uh, it's from the Prepper Journal, a uh, good friend over there, Pat Henry who is uh, now the, the owner, once again, of the Prepper Journal. And so when this article came out, he was the, uh, the owner, and then he, uh, he sold it, and then he, he got it back. And he realized he wanted to continue on uh, providing uh, articles out there to the preparedness community. So this article right here is called The Day After the End of the World. And so the idea is you hit the, the event, whatever that might be, and then on the other side of that, to the right of that, you know, how do things progress? And, and this is something that we don't always put a lot of thought into. And so this is something that uh, maybe we could uh, consider just a little bit here because life is, needs to go on, right? Unless it's the big old cataclysmic kill the earth type thing. And uh, of course, no one cares about that one because we're all dead. But on the other side of the event, What's going on? How are we going to proceed? Um, there's a lot of things that we need to be thinking about depending on where you are in your preparedness and where the rest of your family is in, in your preparedness. Because when we when it boils all down to it, the reason why we prepare is for a, a lot of the times it's for our family. It's to make sure that they are, are taken care of, that they are well, that we can provide for them on the other side of an event, whatever that event is, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and start reading. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to stop, give some commentary, and uh, maybe give some commentary at the end as well. So uh, let's go ahead and start reading this article. It's coming to us again from the Prepper Journal, the day after the end of the world. And we spend a, a lot of time on the Prepper Journal discussing the steps you need to take to prepare for some horrible events occurring in your lifetime. This could be as simple as a loss of a job or more serious and life-threatening like a hurricane, a wildfire, or a tornado. The steps you need to take to begin prepping all share common traits for supporting life and they are more or less consistent in my experience with information on the other prepping blogs, survival writers, and experts everywhere. The flip side of all our preparations pre-disaster is actually putting them to use based upon what we believe we could see if we are unfortunate enough to live through some actual event. Our prepping supplies and gear are designed, purchased, and intended for the purpose of assisting us in dealing with the ramifications of the disaster. Our preps should be directly addressing problems you could face on the other side of a crisis. We stock up water and acquire water filtration tools to make sure we have a way to drink healthy water and stay hydrated. We stock up on food so we maintain our health, energy, and don't go hungry if the stores are unavailable for any one of a dozen reasons. We have supplies for shelter, security, first aid, and hygiene because of real and foreseeable problems that people throughout history have lived through. What I haven't heard discussed too often are the steps you might take immediately after the end of the world. What do you do before the stores are sold out? The riots start and the criminal gangs are heading down your street. What can you do after the disaster has happened but before everything we have feared starts to take place? Assuming you have been a good prepper and you have been able to set aside provisions to gain training and have been paying attention, the crisis will be when the rubber of your prepping meets the road of the disaster. The minutes and hours immediately following any crisis or emergency are what you have been preparing for, so how can you best utilize your resources, any advanced time before things get worse, or your awareness of what could happen to your advantage. All right, so let me stop here just really quick. And the idea here is 
when the situation goes down and you are because you are paying attention and that's a vital role right there that's a, a, a vital key is what i'm trying to say is you're paying attention to what's going on and and because you're paying attention and because you know this thing is happening you're able to move and you're able to make decisions very quickly and also um things that you need to do in order to put in place for your family and for safety and all of that preparedness aspect of it. Now he's going to go into some things here in a minute, but I just want to quickly talk about this idea of being prepared and, and alert, right? Just what, what the shirt says, prepped and, 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 and aware. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people that I talk to that are with all the craziness in the world going on right now, they're like, I don't want to see the news anymore. I don't want to pay attention anymore. I just want to kind of veg out. I want to do my thing. And I, I don't want to be aware of what's going on because it's just too depressing. I mean, have you heard that? I know that I've heard that so many times lately. Like people are ready to check out because, and let's face it, it is negative news after negative news. And if you're going after it because you're looking for some kind of hope and you're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to hear some good news and this whole world is going to be put back together. Well, yeah, you're going to be sadly disappointed because that's not the way things are happening and that's not the way things are going down. But if you're looking at the things that are going on and you're paying attention and you're going into it for the idea of, hey, I'm going to be paying attention to what's happening. And because of that, I am going to be aware. I'm looking for signs out there. I'm looking for uh, I'm, I'm keeping my ear you know, down you know, to, to what's happening so that I can make decisions and I can make them quickly before other people, before it starts going downhill. Here's the thing. You don't want to hear about it hear about the event, whatever that might be. You don't want to hear about that on social media. You don't want to hear about that on the 10 o'clock news when it's been happening all day long. See, if you're, if you're paying attention, if you have some things in place, if, if you're looking out at the horizon, you're going to start to see some things happening. Of course, there's some things that you cannot see happening. There, you know, and he'll talk a little bit about that here. But for the most part, if you're paying attention, you can see things happening. And again, we're in this situation right now where things are crazy and there are so many things going on. So we should be paying attention. All right, let's go ahead and keep moving on here with this one. For the purposes of this article, I probably need to clarify what I mean exactly when I say the end of the world. Tiatwaki, or the end of the world as we know it, doesn't have to literally mean the end of the world. If something so devastating caused the entire planet to explode somehow, your preps aren't really going to save you, are they? Conversely, I don't consider losing your job to be the end of the world either. Could this be devastating to you personally? Of course. But the rest of the world keeps on spinning. Could your prepping supplies directly contribute to making your life easier even after a job loss? Absolutely. But I am talking about a much more drastic scenario here. For this article, let's assume something big has happened. For all intents and purposes, our nation has experienced a collapse event and virtually everyone is affected. Additionally, this isn't like a slow slide into economic apathy. This event happens quickly and I will assume that everyone you can potentially come in contact with has been affected by this crisis. You aren't able to get assistance from any local, regional, or national government for the foreseeable future. It may be that the rest of the world is okay and assistance could be provided to some, but you can't count on that. What do you do when you know? All right, so uh, just coming back here, just a little bit of commentary. When he's talking about this idea, we're talking about this is affecting a whole nation. You know, when we had Hurricane Harvey, or he's going to actually mention Katrina here in this article. So I'll, let me mention Katrina. When Katrina happened and things happened over in, in, in New Orleans and in Louisiana, there's a lot of people mobilized from all over the place to come and provide assistance. And I shouldn't say just New Orleans. There was I know people that were helping out in Mississippi and spent a lot of time in Mississippi and the Gulf Coast, right? And so um, there were supplies coming in from everywhere. When Harvey happened, the same thing down here on the Gulf Coast, supplies and people were coming in from all over the country. Uh, you know, we had the Cajun Navy coming out and, and helping from Louisiana, you know, like kind of uh, helping out Texas after, you know, a lot of Texans went over to Louisiana. 
So we had a lot of that happening. But in this scenario here, this is like the whole nation is going down. You know, it, it's it's really being affected. We had a little taste of that when uh, we uh, went through this snow apocalypse recently in in uh, Texas in February of 2021. Right. Uh, just in case you're listening to this a little bit later on. Uh, I believe it was Storm Uri, right? Winter Storm Uri. And uh, people were without power for many days and water and all that kind of stuff. It was the whole state of Texas because the whole grid was in jeopardy. And the whole state of Texas is one grid. So we experienced that a little bit more. But we still had things coming in. Uh, you know, there were still things coming in from, you know, all over the country. But it wasn't as quick as it had been in, in the past when we experienced hurricanes and, th and things like that. All right. So that's what's important. I think a lot of people have that mindset. The government is going to come to help. You cannot do, you cannot count on that. You cannot count on relief coming. You know, when it comes down to the preparedness and, and the survival of your family, you are responsible for you. And that's a that's a, a big thing that we talk about often. And that is something that everybody who wants to live a more self-reliant life, who wants to be prepared for what is coming or what is going to happen, what's possible out there, needs to really hold that close to them and know that they are responsible and they need to make decisions. We're living in a time where people are not responsible, where people just go do whatever they want to do and they're not being responsible for what they truly need to, to do. And so uh, that's really a big separation there. We really need to wrap our minds around that. All right, so let's go ahead and continue on because on, now he's going to start talking about like one minute after the end of the world, right? So uh, a lot of us know the, the book one second after. Uh, this is one minute after the end of the world. And so I don't completely agree with everything here, but let's go ahead and read this. And then I'll, I'll stop as I, as I come to something that I, I want to reflect on here. So make sure everyone, again, one minute after the end of the world, make sure everyone is safe. I think the first thing you have to do after a crisis is to make sure all of your family is accounted for and safe. This might be harder to do when distance separates you, but some communication could still be possible. It will be highly likely that phones and the internet will be down in a true collapse. During Katrina, they lost cell phone service in areas, but were still able to send text messages with their phones. Let family elsewhere know what your situation is, and this may take place over days in some cases. All right, so um, let, let me go ahead and uh, just talk a little bit about this. I think it's very important to have that conversation with your kids and with your family if they are able to handle it. I know that over the years of running Prepper website, I have heard from many different preppers throughout the years that have said, it's just me. It's just, I'm a solo prepper. I'm prepping. Um, a lot of the times it's it's the, the, the spouse, right? The, the man is prepping sometimes. And I'm actually seeing it a lot more now. Uh, the women are actually prepping. And uh, the kids, you know, don't want any part of it. They think mom and dad are loons or, or whatever that, that might be going down. Unless you get them really young and you, they kind of grow up in that. But uh, that's what I have experienced throughout um, my time running Prepper website. So a lot of the times it's one person being a solo prepper. But if you can get buy-in from your family and your kids, then I think that you are in a really great place to begin to pour in to them some of these things that they need to put uh, that to have in the back of their mind always. Of course, you don't want them living in fear, right? There's some people that live in fear all the time. They're like, you know, the, we don't prep because we live in fear. We prep so that we can survive and thrive during those times and we don't have to fear, right? Uh, can you imagine being in a, in a situation and not being prepared at all? That, that fear in a father's heart and mind or a mother's heart and mind compared to the 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 idea and a little bit more peace i mean there's always going to be that i that fear of of the unknown and, and what is happening but that peace of mind knowing that i have food storage and i have the water and i have preps and i have a plan and i have things going on so i think that's uh that's really important here so if you have family that has bought in you can do a lot of this stuff ahead of the time ahead of time 
So one of the things with my boys when they were in middle school, um, and and they were you know they were going. We worked in it. We work in education. So in elementary, they were always with us. But during middle school and high school, they were in different. Uh, there were different different schools, different campuses. So what our our conversation with them was. If you ever have an emergency, if, if um, all electricity goes down, all the electricity in school goes down, all the phones, uh, you know, stop working and people start saying cars are not starting or whatever, you start hearing that, you just leave. You do not get permissions from your, from your teacher, your principal or anything. You just leave and go. Uh, we also talked about, you know, if someone was shooting up the school, you do not just go and hang around. You take off running and you get home, all right? I don't care if the school gets mad at you because you don't go to their designated place and hang out with them and, and you're accounted for there. You're old enough, you're big enough, run all the way home. I want you to be home. Or any emergency situation, I want you to make it home. And so we always had that conversation with them. And so if there was an emergency situation, I'm not trying to call them i'm not rushing to the school i'm not doing i'm i'm going to be going home right and uh, if they're not home maybe i start you know going towards the school maybe they're walking maybe they're running but they they, they never were very far away from home you know anyway because they were local schools so that was a conversation i like the piece about the text messages and and letting people know um if there is a situation and this is just the top of my head here um, of course, we're talking about Tiat walking. We're talking about a whole national thing. But if you're not, let's just say a hurricane. Let's just say there was a localized situation, but you couldn't talk to people in your immediate area. You couldn't call the, the immediate area, but you could call out. You can always have a family member or somebody, someone that you know that lives out of state, out of the area, and relay information to them. And then your family could know that as well. Say, hey, we're going to call Uncle Bob. If you can't ever get a hold of us, try calling Uncle Bob and see if he has any information. Because I'm going to try to call Uncle Bob and leave messages with him. And that might be a way that, uh, that you could communicate with each other if, if things are going out. All right, so uh, a lot there on that first paragraph. All right, let me move along. Next one is assess the threat level to your family and location. Assuming you are in the location where you plan to ride out the crisis initially, what are any security issues you have? Are you living in an urban area where dense population and rioting are already threatening your neighborhood? Is looting already being witnessed? If so, now might be the opportune time to put your neighborhood watch plan into place. All right, let me read the next one here really quickly. Determine if your location is going to be tenable or if you have to bug out. You haven't left yet, but are you able to bug out if needed? Do you have a place to go? Are the roads congested already? Do you have vehicles that can transport you and all of your supplies? I personally plan to remain at home for as long as possible, but I am prepared to leave the situ if the situation dictates that my family's survival depends on getting out. All right, so let's talk just a little bit about this. Some of these things I believe that you should already know what's going, what you're going to do and uh, what's going to happen. So I, I completely agree with understanding the, the threat level. You need, to, you need to get that very quickly. But... If you are paying attention and you you have all of that information, you know, you know things are going down. From what I have experienced with people, people don't start moving very quickly in uh, in, in an emergency situation. It's almost like there's this shock that things are happening, or it's almost like this unbelief that things are happening. And so let me let me kind of explain it here in, in just something that I've recently experienced. And I've been talking a lot about this because it's fresh on my mind. During the winter storm Yuri, right, when we had the snow apocalypse or snowvid or whatever people are calling, you know, um, they were talking about that for a week, a week before it happened. I mean, it was going to be a big deal. There was going to be, I mean, severe weather. It was going to be bad. You know, you should be paying attention. And so people knew that a whole week in advance. The storm came on Sunday. 
Sunday evening. We started, the temperatures were really dropping. It started to drizzle and rain, and we should, you know, the, the streets were icing over. And for those of you up north or you live in, in colder climates, I mean, you might be used to that. People down here just don't know what's going on, what's happening. So things started to shut down, and people stopped, you know, moving and those kinds of things. But on Saturday morning, I want you to know that I went to the grocery store. That's my normal run to the store. I, that's my, I normally run to the store to pick up things and to get things for the family for the week. So I get up early, super early Saturday morning. There's nobody there. I get the run of the store. I get whatever I want. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I just enjoy going at that time. So I go and I'm there super early Saturday morning. Now, I did notice that there was a little bit more traffic there. There's more people there Saturday morning when I go, when, I, when the store first opens up than, uh, than usual, right? Um, the, the Saturday after the, though, actually I didn't go that weekend because I knew the trucks and all that, they were restocking. So, but the, the Saturday after that, it was back to normal. So, uh, but anyway, this Saturday, there was, there was, there was people there, but not like a regular time. There's just more than normal. So I'm going and I got everything that I wanted. I mean, it, everything that I possibly could have wanted for the Snowvid apocalypse, I, I, it was there at the store. I didn't, I didn't see any empty shelves. I didn't see anything like that. And so I went, got my stuff, got home, and I'm like, hey, we're good. And I remember telling my wife, there's more people there than normal, but I mean, I got, we got everything we wanted. Here it is. You know, it's our normal run to the grocery store. The thing is, is that people don't prepare. And then that Sunday, people start hitting the stores, and then they start feeling the temperature. They start seeing the drizzle. They really start hitting the stores. And, the, and, and then the first couple of days, they wipe out the stores. The same thing happens with the hurricanes. It's like nonstop. It happens. It drives me nuts. A hurricane could be turning in the Gulf of Mexico. And so it could, you know, all the models say it could go here, it could go there, it can go, you know, wherever it's going. And you're getting all the percentages and all the possibilities. And a lot of the time, some of the possibilities come up to it's going to hit Galveston and it's going to go up 40, Interstate 45 and it's going to hit Houston. And so people, when they're hearing about the models and they see the hurricane churning in the Gulf, no one does anything. It's like the day before the hurricane is going to hit, everybody rushes to the store. And then there's nothing at the store. You go, and, and if you have uh, timed it wrong, you're, gonna, you're not going to get anything but cans of hominy. I mean, who's going to eat a can of hominy, right? So, you know, that's all that's left on the, on the shelves. And that's the way people react. That's the way people move. And so... I really think that if when there's an event, again, remember, as, as someone who is preparedness-minded, you're prepped and aware, you're, you're, you're paying attention, you see what's going on, and so you have a lead time that you're able to make some moves and able to do some things. You know, one of the things that I would do, like right after I realize if my family is good or I've contacted them or whatever, I might run to the store. That seems kind of like you know, preppers would be like, well, you should be prepped. Why are you going to run to the store? Because there might be something that I want to top off with, you know. And if the stores are open, maybe they're only accepting cash. I have carrying cash with me. I go to the grocery store and I can get a couple of things, maybe some fresh fruit and vegetables that uh, that I'm going to want to, you know, to be to be able to go into the apocalypse with. I don't I don't know, but I'm just thinking. That's just my mindset. I actually wrote an article on this that you can make a quick run to the store and just the possibilities. Now, again, you got to be smart. You got to be paying attention. You got to know what's going on. You have to be informed. You have to get the temperature and the atmosphere of what's going on in, in your world. If people are starting to riot, if people are starting to gear up like that, then it's not worth it. You turn back around and you get home. But again, it's like human nature. People wait to the last second. Then there's going to be the shock factor. I cannot believe, right? Right? I cannot believe 
the internet is down. <laughs> I cannot believe social media is down. You know, all those people that are in their phones all the time, their heads are buried into their phones, and they're they're liking and they're swiping and they're doing all the different things that they do, and then all of a sudden they don't get the internet anymore. What do you think? They're going to be like, what's going on here? You know, trying to call their service provider and, you know, it's going to be going, you know, it's busy, busy signals and stuff like that. There's always those people that are just, they're going to be in shock. People are in shock of it. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that this thing happened, right? I can't believe that this event happened, whatever it might be. And so I always believe that there's going to be a little bit of lead time before you know things really break down that you can do some of the things that you need to do, whatever that might be, whether that's running to the store, whether that's going to pick up a family member, whether that's what whatever whatever you need to do, topping off your gas tank, whatever whatever it is, I believe that there's going to be a little bit a little bit of lead time there. But again, please, you know, like this is not gospel here. I'm just saying you got to be aware of what is going on and understand what's happening. So I think you know, knowing, having that plan, not being in shock, because I think as preppers, let me give you another story here, because this is just coming to me. One of the things that happened during uh, during the winter storm Yuri is I, people's pipes were busting all over the place, man. I mean, people, well, you're seeing pictures of, you know, big old you know, ceilings coming down and icicles in people's homes and, and all the different kinds of things. Again, you know, homes are just built a little bit different than those of you that are up north. So I was already expecting pipes to break, or at least I wasn't expecting it, but I knew what I would do if the pipes broke. I knew where the shutoff valve was. I, I knew where I needed to go. I, I, I had the tools ready right there at my disposal. You know, when my pool, when the, we lost electricity and my pool couldn't circulate the water anymore, I knew what I, I needed to do to get out there. I needed to drain the pipes from uh, from from the the water from the pipes so they wouldn't freeze in there. And so I, you know, you you have those ideas, those plans already in mind, so that when the event happens, you're able to move. You're not in shock. You're not in like, oh my gosh, what do I do here? You have a plan that you're able to move forward with. So when my pipe busted outside, you know, I was doing, I was doing, um, I was doing uh, just patrols around the house every 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 hour you know i had my uh flashlight you know and i was looking at shining it up at the ceiling looking to see if there was any drips or any bulges or anything like that so that i could catch it beforehand and so uh right before we went to bed I heard water. I went into the garage and I heard water running and I'm like, my heart sank, but I knew exactly what I needed to do. I started looking for the water running and I realized it was outside. And so with the pipe, you know, the faucet busted outside. I was able to turn it off really quickly because I knew what was going down. And then I was able to fix it in the morning because I, I was able to put an end cap back on and I was able to have water, you know. And so I knew what was needed i knew the plan i knew what was going on I, I wasn't freaking out that something like that was going on i knew what to do and so you have to have that plan all right i kind of killed that one spent a lot of time on that one let's go ahead and move on the next stage here that uh, pat talks about in this article is not just one minute after but five minutes after the end of the world so here we are um gather information about the crisis if the news is still broadcasting, you should be getting as much information about the crisis and any fallout as possible. Ham radio is always recommended for cases when the traditional news media outlets are silent, but it requires you to have some knowledge of its use before the end of the world. You know, one of the things that, um, that uh, we talk about in the exclusive email group. So for those of you that are not familiar um, for Prepper website, I run an, an exclusive email group. And these are preppers who do not want to be on social media because of the tracking and, and because of all that kind of stuff that, you know, all the social medias do. This is all run through email and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, out of the host that runs Prepper website. And we have a great time sharing information. There's a lot of people there. I mean, I'm, you know, 
Uh, I can share out information that I know, but other people share out information from you know from what they know, and it's just uh, it's become a really great place and a great place to be a part of. And then we have our online meetings uh, once uh, once a week. We just get together and we hang out. We talk about something preparedness related, but it's really just a lot of fun um, on on every other Tuesday night, right? And so. One of the things that we have talked about is ham radio, and everyone has the Baofengs. You know, we have the, uh, uh, you know, we talk about that in the preparedness community. It's the cheap little Baofengs. I have a friend at church who who is a ham radio operator, and he's like, you know, it's one of those things that you can carry with you, and if you lose it, you break it, whatever. You're not going to be, you know, you're you're not going to lose a lot of sleep because they're not very expensive. But the thing about ham, I mean, it's a lot of people think that, you know, I'm going to have one of those little balfungs that I'm going to be able to get all the information in the world. You really need to, uh, well, first of all, you shouldn't be only turning it on when uh, it's the end of the world as you know it. You really need to know how to use it and function with it. But turn it on if you have one. Turn it on and try to find something that is broadcasting. You know, I, I think everybody thinks, you know, when the end of the world happens, everyone's going to be on ham radio getting information. And the, the thing is, is that those little handhelds aren't going to be as powerful as some setup that you have in, in your home. So you might want to have some shortwave radio, uh, you know, capabilities and different things like that uh, when when you are trying to get information and your regular, your internet, internet's down, the television's down, you know, all that kind of stuff is down. Uh, where you can gather information and you need to be prepared that you might be going into things blind as well what what if everything completely shut down i mean you again you're facing the end of the world as we know it right you're on the other side of the event and what if things aren't available there you're facing just kind of a like a an information blackout you need to be thinking about that as well all right moving on let's go on here um talk to neighbors for information this can be beneficial in several ways. Maybe you have never spoken to your neighbors, but this is tragedy. But this tragedy brings everyone out into the street. I wouldn't be wearing my Rambo outfit, out, Rambo outfit yet, but talk to everyone nearby. Do they have information, gossip, or news to share? Do you have news to share you picked up on your ham radio? Are any of your neighbors in need of assistance due to health issues? It is a good it is good to know all of these things as soon as possible because you might have to deal with them one way or another. Are stores still open? Can you stock up on additional supplies? Can you get more fuel for the vehicle? Can you get cash out of the ATM? All right, so this is one that I don't agree with that you should be doing five minutes after. I don't believe that you should be going out and and trying to round up the 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 neighbors not five minutes after not right after um, i do agree that you need to be doing that i do agree that you probably should be doing it beforehand you're not waiting for you know the end of the world as we know it disasters do bring people together i want to let you know that during uh hurricane um ike uh when ike hit we did um because we were out for, uh, of power for a couple of days we did get to hang out with with neighbors that we don't know, you know, down further down the street that we we really don't uh, talk to. You know, it's one thing with the neighbor to the side, to the to the left, to the right, you know, across from you, catty corner to you, all that kind of stuff. But not talking about neighbors down down the road. You're able to meet them because you're out. There's really nothing to do. You're not watching TV. You're not on the Internet. And uh, people were uh, stealing uh generators then people were going around they heard a generator they would take it and throw it you know with uh with it going and everything two people would throw it in a chuck i mean it happened in my parents neighborhood it was happening actually everywhere and so um you know people were out and they were getting to know each other and paying attention and so i completely understand that but i wouldn't be doing it so soon that needs to happen that needs to happen i talk a lot about i have a um a, a an email challenge, you know, five days to build your uh, community or your prepper group challenge. And that's all run through email. And if you've never done that, I think it would be very helpful for you to go through that. You get, you sign up for the email and you get it once, um, 
You get one email a day, and it's just a quick video to get you to reflect and to think about how you can build your preparedness group. And so uh, I'm going to link to all those things in this video so that you can get that. You know, if you want to look at the preparedness, uh, the email group, if you want to look at this five-day challenge, you want to sign up for the five-day challenge. And I'm going to link to uh, Pat's um, uh, article here so that you can go and, and check it out as well. Um, because he's got a lot of cool links in here and just Prepper General is a, is a good website to go to. So um, I really do believe that you, you, you need to know your neighbors. You need to do that, but not right here, right off the bat. You need to make sure that you're getting things taken care of in your home. And like I said, if you're making that run, you need to make sure all those types of things are, are, are done. Going to, like you should know if the ATM has money. You should know if the grocery stores are open already. Uh, you shouldn't be trying to news gather at that time. You should be making the moves before everyone else realizes what's going on. You know, when COVID hit uh, my area, we had been, and actually we're about one year. So the at the day that I am recording this video, we're about one year away from that when that happened. Uh, we went on spring break, and we didn't we didn't go back. And so uh, before that, I started letting people that I knew and that they knew what I did, and even some that didn't know that I run Prepper website, was gathering them together and talking about being prepared. I, I gathered the, the people in my department and I said, look, I, and this is exactly, somebody mentioned it here just recently. It's, I can look like a wacko and a wack job, or I can talk to you about this because I care about you. And this is where it's coming from, all right? And so, you know, I said this COVID thing, I've been tracking it for a while. Um, there's a possibility that things, you know, can go sideways really quickly. So, I, you know, it would be a good idea to stock up on food, stock up on hygiene supplies. If you don't need them, um, you know, if you need them, good, you have them. If you don't need them, then all you did was buy things you pre-bought and you're, you just, you don't have to go to the grocery store or to Walmart or whatever you're going to do beforehand. And people listened and they did that. And I'm telling you, I got, and I shared that information with other people through text messages, people that I knew. And they, after everything went down, people were texting me, thank you so much, Todd, I really appreciate it, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And, and here's the deal. Eventually it gets to the point where people realize what was going down. And so when people realize that thing, that, that this COVID thing, you know, spring break happened, we went through a whole week, um, of, of, you know, kind of peace and, and, and calm. And then everything kind of hit the fan. And I'm telling you, people realized what was going to go down and they wound up going and rushing to the grocery stores. And around me, the shelves were like completely empty. It was almost worse than a hurricane, right? Because people were a hurricane. You have this event and then things come in. People didn't know what to expect with this because they had canceled like the rodeo down here in Houston and, and that has never happened before. And so everybody started kind of panicking. So you really need to be able to move ahead of time. Again, if you know what's going on, if you're paying attention, you can move ahead of time and you can get those things uh, done ahead of time. Okay, again, I think I killed that one. I keep talking about that. Let's go on to the next thing. Two hours after the end of the world. And so I really don't believe you're, you're looking at one minute and five minutes and two hour in increments here. Uh, just an idea, right, of, of what's happening uh, next. So two hours after the end of the world. Prepare for defensive measures. Hopefully this is somewhat done already, but I know the strange looks you would get if you boarded up your windows and started placing sandbags around the doors while everything is fine. What security provisions have you set aside for that just-in-case scenario? I plan to barricade doors and move supplies from an external shed indoors, potentially break out the barbed wire and black out the windows. If the risk to your family's security called for it, what would you do? All right. Let me, again, I don't completely agree with this one because if you are doing that in, your, in, in a neighborhood, then you are advertising to everybody else that you are way, way more prepared than, than they are. And so they're going to be saying, hey, uh, so what's the deal here? What I do agree with is going back up to what he said about the five minutes. 
I think before you get into this kind of situation, because what you're saying here is like I'm surrounding myself and you're isolating yourself from the rest of the community. And the fact is, is that you need the community to help defend. You're not just defending your uh, you're not just defending your place. I mean, if you're defending your home, then it's just you and your wife and your kids and whoever you have with you. I mean, think about that. But if you have a community and they are defending their community and they're fighting alongside each other and they're taking care of each other and, and they're, uh, they're showing forth a, a, a force, right? If there was a, a, a car or two of people coming in, strolling into your neighborhood and there was no kind of uh, barriers or anything going on, they, they could come in and have the run of the place. But if they were coming around your neighborhood and there was people stationed at the front of your neighborhood and they're like, hey, you're not coming in here or if you're coming in here, you're going to have run into some trouble, then, then it would be a whole different story. When the whole thing with Portland and things are starting up again over there, right? If you're paying attention and you saw what's today, they set a, a federal building on fire. So you kind of know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, March 12th when, I, when I'm recording this, 2021. So one of the things that happened up there in, in Oregon was Antifa started going through neighborhoods, through suburban neighborhoods. Well, there was uh, a neighborhood that the, everybody that was there, the adults came out and they had their weapons and they got to the front of the neighborhood. And when Antifa came, what did Antifa, Antifa didn't try to go in there. They just kept on walking and moving on to the next. And you've seen those types of videos in other places where the community kind of came up and said, hey, you're not coming in here and smashing our windows, smashing our cars. You're not going to do that. You know, so we're going to we're going to take you out. And so maybe if you haven't seen those videos, those videos are out there. They get taken down, but they're out there and you can find them when the community comes together. So I really think that that's, that's part of it and that's really important that you you almost become this, like, for lack of a better uh, term, a community organizer where you're bringing people together and you're helping them to realize because, again, people are going to be in shock. People are not going to know what to expect. People are going to, there's going to be people, you're going to be talking to them and you're like, oh, well, no, the government's going to come and save us, you know? And you're like, look, if you think that, fine. But then rational minds will prevail and you can, you can talk to them and say, look, we need to be thinking about security. We need to be thinking about protecting our families. And so we need to be, you know, doing this and, and, and setting up in this way and getting them to understand the reality of the situation. Uh, I think that would be very important. And so um, I think that you should do that before you try to um, shore up your home and your defenses. You know, you should always have layers and barriers around your home, right? You should always have, you know, those, uh, you should always have a, a nice lock on. You should always have the, the deeper screws that go in to the door frame. You should always have something that can, <clears throat> that you can brace against the door. You know, all those different kinds of, you know, maybe some heavy curtains that you can draw. You, you can have all those types of things in place. Uh, a dog, a big dog that's going to bark and scare the crap out of people. You can always have those types of things in place already. And so you should have those things now. All right, let's go ahead and finish this out. Talk to family members about present reality. If things are really bad enough, you might have to sit your family down and give them some of your perspective about how life could be different. Children will have questions, of obviously, but they might not understand new rules for their safety or precautions around new equipment that is around the house. Bad people could be coming, and I am not advocating scaring anyone. However, in some cases, you need to share the fact on the ground and explain the good, the bad, and the ugly about what they could experience. What should they do if someone came, comes to the door? What if people ask if they have food? Why can't they go out by themselves anymore? Why is mommy walking around with a Glock on her hip in the house? All right, so I think that's, um, that's going to be important, and you're going to have to have those conversations. But again, you're going to have to weigh your kids uh, and their ability to handle this information. Um, and you might need to be speaking to them and, and, and 
bringing this up over and over and over again. As far as we don't talk about the things in this house, you don't share out there in public that we have this or that or that, you know, um, that might need to be discussed on a regular basis. Or if you don't think that they can keep their, you know, keep quiet, then some of those things need to be hidden from view. So you know your kids, you know what you need to do in that respect. All right, here we go. It's, uh, I think we can finish this out here. One day after the end of the world, reevaluate. I really like what he says here. Reevaluate everything you thought you knew based upon your current reality. After a disaster of this scale, I can't imagine any day being normal for a long time. I don't believe a routine will be able to get started until the panic and hysteria and likely a lot of violence have burned out. Each day will require you to start over and think about how things have changed. Each interaction with another person can impact your life. I doubt you can count on simply tending your garden, getting eggs from the chickens, and eating your stored food in peace while the rest of the world sorts the mess out. Remember that garden you planted to get ready in the spring? Now, there is much less time than you had. Your supplies are likely what you were, were able to get before the collapse, and there aren't any runs to Walmart possible at this time. Are you going to work today? What devices can you recharge with your solar charger? Do you use gas for the car or the generator? Is the generator secure where it, where it is, or could someone easily steal it? Are your doors locked or are you obvious to what, oblivious, sorry, to what is happening outside? Many of you reading this hopefully will be able to figuratively sit back because you have made plans that take all of these examples into consideration. You have food aplenty, live in a remote area, and already walk around with your gun on your hip when you go into town to get a latte. I do think that even with years of preparation, allowances will need to be made for new wrinkles in your plan. What if two relatives that you didn't count on taking care of were visiting you when it all went south? You couldn't kick them out, could you? What if this crisis required you to bug out, but you don't have an alternative plant physical, sorry, you don't have an alternate physical location and your supplies certainly can't all go with you? Prepping is a way that I can think, plan, and anticipate bad things happening. In the best scenario, I will be able to be able and ready to meet any crisis armed with what I have been able to learn and store, acquire, grow, or fabricate. It may give me an advantage over my neighbors, but that advantage might end up being a whole lot less than I thought. We do the best we can now to prepare, but we are all going to have to play the hand we are dealt with when disaster strikes. Will that turn out exactly like you thought, or will you have to adjust possibly in ways you couldn't imagine before? All right, let me just go ahead and talk uh, very quickly about some things here. I, I love what he said here about you're going to need to reevaluate. A lot of the times when we think about, you know, we kind of um, war game scenario, you know, for lack of a better term, we, we kind of think things through. We try to have some kind of idea of what might uh, happen, but it doesn't always play out like that. So you need to be able to, you need to be flexible. You need to reevaluate what's going on. So I think that flexible, that ability to be flexible is going to be very, very important uh, in, in situations like this or any kind of uh, emergency situation. So I think revisiting all of that and knowing how things, what, what are the priorities, what things need to get done, how things need to go down. I think that's going to be very, very important when you are in this kind of emergency situation. A lot of the times we're thinking, okay, it's a post-apocalyptic world. We got to grow our own food. We got to, you know, um, do all this kind of stuff. And uh, I like what he said here is like, there's going to be a lot of things going down, you know, especially if you live in the city or you live in the suburbs. I mean, if you live out in the country, you know, quite possibly you're going to have it a little bit better than a lot of other people. But there's always that idea. We always hear about that in the preparedness community about the golden horde, right? The people leaving the cities. I honestly, I don't know. I don't think that that would happen. Um, I don't think people would wind up leaving the cities in, in big numbers. I still think people are going to be hanging around waiting for the government to come uh, fix that. Or there's going to be so much violence that you know people aren't going to want to get out of their houses. So I think people maybe in the suburbs are, or uh, sorry, in uh, rural areas might have it a little bit better. But there's always that possibility. I mean, 
a rural neighbor might not be as neighborly as you think they might be if they're in a, in a very serious, you know, survival situation. So a lot of things to kind of think about there. Um, I think it's important to have plans. Plans are, are like the first step in anything that we prep for in, in any of our preparedness. And so that's one of those things that we need to think of. But think about the most likely scenario that you can go through right now. If you, like if your job is experiencing hard times, then you the, your most likely scenario could be that you lose your job. What would that look like for you? You know, how, do you have some thoughts in place? Um, if someone got sick in your family, like a terminal illness, what would that look like for you? If you got sick, what would that look like for the rest of your family? Um, if, you know, there was um, just going on and on, you know, snowstorm, <laughs> hurricane, whatever it might be, uh, you know, uh, what, did, what does that look like? What kinds of things do you need to have in place? You know, look at those more likely scenarios and start to think about those and plan those things out and even writing them down, writing down your plans, writing down your thoughts, because if you can do that, then you have that and you start putting that in kind of memory. And so when things go down, you're able to draw from that as opposed to trying to come up with a plan right on the spot. Again, I think people are going to be in a lot of shock. And so they're going, to, they're, they're going to want to go back to something that they know. And then again, if you have plans in a book, if you are in shock, you could always go to that, to that book and you can read and like, okay, um, these are some things that I need to consider and some things that I need to be thinking about right here. All right. And so uh, again, being flexible, knowing what's happening, uh, putting plans and scenarios in place so that you can think them through uh, when things go down so you're just not caught flat-footed and trying to come up with a plan on your own. All right, everyone, that is it for this article. You know, what is it like for you on the other side of the event, right? To the right of the event, what what is it like? What happens? Um, this has been an article from the Prepper Journal the day after the end of the world. But uh, really, you know, you're facing down the end of the world as we know it. What does that look like for you? And what kind of adjustments do you have to make? You know, it's possible that we will have this slow economic slide. We're kind of experiencing that right now um, where, where things are just kind of happening. And it just seems like sometimes it seems like things are in slow motion. We need to prep for that as well. We need to make sure that we're paying attention to all of that as well. But just knowing that at any time you could have the snow apocalypse, right? Or you can have something big go down. And uh, that's what we prep for. Not to fear, not to worry, not to live with anxiety. But we prep so that when the things go down, that we know that we can have our uh, have the, the supplies and our preparedness information, our plans in place so that when our family looks to us, when our kids look to us, maybe when our elderly parents look to us and they're asking, you know, they're, they're, they're shocked and they're wanting to know what's going to happen and what we need to do, then we have the answers and we have the ability to move forward. And, and can you imagine that peace that that brings? It brings a lot of peace. All right, guys, that is it for this Prepper Website Live. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this one. Hey, don't forget to check out PrepperWebsite.com and the Prepper Website Podcast. That is always a good place to be. God bless. Y'all have a great one. Well, everyone, thanks so much for checking out this bonus episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we have tons of preparedness, self-reliant, alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading articles just for you. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. Many of these you can't find on the internet any longer. And with that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.